Well, look at you. Look at me. Here we are, back at the new ministry centre that we haven't spent much time in. How do you feel being back? Anyone felt any emotion? Yeah, lots of us. It's probably pretty normal for you online, but for us, it's different being back here together. Lord God, we commit this time in your word to you. We so appreciate having a roof over our heads with windows in the glass, glass in the windows and uh, protection from the weather. In fact, it's a brand new building that we're so blessed to minister out of. We're thankful for this country and the way we've been spared from the ravages of COVID that so many countries have experienced. And yet we don't know what tomorrow brings, so we, we continue to ask for your help in all who lead in this country. Um, would you protect? And Lord, would the gospel go forth powerfully in these times, we ask. And help us now as we open up your word. Would you illuminate it to us in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad, Ve'ahavta et Adonai Elohecha. This is the holiest prayer of Israel, spoken in my fledgling Hebrew, yet phonetically correct. I was taught it by a Zionist Jew in Israel. It's the holiest prayer from Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. God wanted his people's hearts. Amen. He wants our hearts. And yet the perennial problem in the Old and the New Testament and the problem throughout history is people are half-hearted. They lose heart. Yet God still is looking for women and men and children that are after his own heart that would give him whole-hearted Devotion. The heart is enormously important in the Bible. The ancient Hebrews didn't have an extensive understanding of the physicality of the heart, or what the heart did. Yet, in chapter 25, verse 37 of 1 Samuel, there is a case of a heart attack. Uh, it says, When Nabal was sober, his wife told him all these things, and, in, and his heart failed him. And he became like a stone. So there's a heart attack there. Uh, for a Hebrew, the heart could refer to physical strength, but it was also where people did their thinking. They thought in their heart. There was no word in Hebrew for brain. So for a Hebrew, it's physicality, it's thought, it's, it's probably obviously emotion, and it's also choice. It's where your desire lives. It's out of the heart that we make Choices. Uh, so you could be poor in heart, heart broken. Hearts could be fearful, distressed, depressed. In Judges, we're told that to be happy is to be good of heart. The heart was where, as I said just then, where a person's desires lived. Is it any wonder that Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart. Because from it flows your life. Or that David would pray in Psalm 51.10. 
Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew in me a steadfast spirit within me. Of course, this is the great promise about the heart that we're given by God in Ezekiel, and he gave it to his people Israel. I will in the future give you a new heart. Hallelujah. Take away your heart of stone that is not devoted to me, and I'm going to put a new heart of flesh in you and put my spirit in you and teach you to walk according to my statutes. Is anyone getting the idea that our hearts really matter? The affection of our heart will drive our life's direction, won't it? Where you set the course of your heart towards, that's where your life is going to go. Throughout November, Lord willing, you know we always say Lord willing even more these days. We don't know what the future holds, but Lord willing, in November... We're going to be considering the teaching topic of wholehearted. What does it look like as we start and what really is a new season for us at Northern Life? What does it look like to be wholehearted disciples of Jesus? What does it look like for us to be wholehearted as a church at Northern Life? It's a very helpful question to ask. What does it look like? We are in Psalm 84 today. If you didn't know, Psalm 84 punches above its weight, like this little guy. How many people know well Psalm 23, the 23rd Psalm? People a bit familiar with that? Put your hand up if you're very familiar with Psalm 84. I know Richard Ford has it as a memory verse, he said, but not many of us. So... I would commend to you that uh, there's no better psalm or passage in the scriptures that we could look at today than Psalm 84. And I'm not smart. I didn't pick it. God did. God said to me in a roundabout way, you should look at Psalm 84. And I looked at Psalm 84 and went, Psalm 84 is the passage for us to look at for today in coming back and also as we think about what does wholehearted discipleship look like? What should we expect to experience? Wholehearted disciples from Psalm 84 experience deep longings for God. Wholehearted disciples experience deep longings for God. The psalm begins with an introduction. For the director of music, according to Gitteth of the sons of Korah, A psalm. This is a pilgrimage psalm. It's used by the people of Israel as they left their homes several times per year. This is probably the Feast of Tabernacles. And they would travel in the early days to the tent of meeting, pre the temple. And then when the temple was made, travel to offer sacrifice. And they would praise God along the way. And they would have psalms that were called pilgrimage psalms. And they would sing these psalms as they moved towards this nexus point between heaven and earth where God's presence was. And you met with him and you had this wonderful experience of offering a sacrifice. And in that moment of the priest offering the sacrifice, the blood which carried the life represented what should happen to the person. Because of my sin, I should die as an Israelite. But in that moment of sacrifice at the tent or the temple, the transfer was put into the blood of the animal. And as that was shed, there was this sense of atonement. But it was temporary. And so that's why it was such a a wonderful thing for them to go in obedience 
to God's command. And uh, it was a sacrifice. It cost them to move on pilgrimage to go and worship. And so we're told that it's according to Gittith, that's a musical instrument, and uh, Korah back in um, Solomon's time, so it's, it's actually before the temple, Korah was a worship leader and so were his sons. They weren't the Levitical priests, but they led Israel in worship. And the song says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. How lovely. Now when we say lovely, it sounds quaint, doesn't it? How lovely is your dwelling place. And you sort of snuggle up to God. It more means beloved. How sacred and beloved is your dwelling place. And then the really weird thing is, O Lord of heavenly armies. Yahweh of armies is the name of the Lord here. So there's this sense of intimacy, beloved space where we connect with God and yet reverent fear as they acknowledge Lord of heavenly armies, Yahweh of armies. Yet we are drawn to you. How beloved is this sacred space? And the song goes on, My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Think about the words there. Soul, heart, flesh. Do you think the song's trying to say something? This is an all-consuming desire. The psalmist has a deep longing for God. We might say for home, for that which they've been created for. As created, coming to creator and worshipping in a place that feels safe and right and known because humanity has been wired for worship. Even the sparrow has found a home and the Swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar. The psalmist notices in the tent there are some sparrows and can't help but again see the connection between created and created and creator. And God in his goodness, he's always good, is good to all of his creation. And Psalm eight, um, Romans 8 says that creation groans in anticipation for salvation. So creation knows things aren't right. It's almost like the rocks could cry out and so could the birds. They're chirping to his glory. Um, genuinely, you don't have to be Francis of Assisi to sort of think that. Creation is giving glory back to God. It's what Psalm 19 says. There's a spot for anyone who wants to come close to God near the altar. Lord Almighty, my King... And my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. You pick up the personal language, don't you? It's not just our God, a distant God. It's my God, my King. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. Blessed means deeply happy. If you get to go close to God because something has been done about your sin and his mercy has been extended to you and you can go to that place where his presence is close to you, you can be with the one who made you. That's a happy place. That's a deeply content, happy place. That's the place where you're weaned from desire. I'm, I'm content. I'm where I'm meant to be and I'm happy. 
So let me ask you again, how does it feel to be back together in the Lord's house? And of course, many are still online. It's very legitimate to be online, but it's good to look around at these masked faces as we sit under the word of God. It's really great to be here, but you know, um, we are New Testament post-Pentecost people. We know John 4 where Jesus interacts with the Samaritan woman and the, and the woman's like, which mountain are we meant to worship you on? And Jesus says, a time is coming when it's not going to be some spot like a temple or a tent where you can meet with God. There's not going to be a high place on the mountain that, where you feel close. I'm going to be making a way. He doesn't quite explain it like that, but it, he's suggesting there's a way that's going to be opened up where you can worship God anywhere. Hallelujah. That's called being born again, and the human heart becomes the temple. And we, as the church, become the temple, God inhabiting a human by his spirit. So the church auditorium is not the house of God. We are the house of God. We are together as the people. We come together by faith, belonging to Jesus, and we are the home of his spirit. And this has been mentioned several times Um, in our worship online, people say, you know what, you're at home on your couch and we are the people of God. You remember that? Because we we all celebrate this because we're post-Pentecost people. We got the Spirit. And yet, and yet, I think there's something about a sacred space where the people of God dedicate and ask God to come regularly and we pilgrim, become as pilgrim people once every seven days from around the area. And it's not because it's Sabbath, it's because it's the Lord's Day on Sunday, the day that he rose again from the dead. And we come and, and we have a worship service here and we remember that about three years ago on the concrete slab down below us, about 40 of us met and we cried out to the Lord and said, may this be dedicated to your glory. May the gospel be proclaimed on this block of ground in a way that builds on the shoulders of those that have gone before us. Amen. For over 100 years, from 1903, College Crescent in Pretoria has housed Hornsby Baps. And there's been this faithful gospel witness. And I feel like there's something special about that. It doesn't mean that your couch can't be special. But as we reflect on the meaning of Psalm 84, I think it's important to consider space, dedicated space, which when it's for the people of God to meet and to proclaim the gospel and to see the manifestation of the Spirit's gifting for the common good. That's why it matters that we come together. Because God's doing something through us, for us. Three Sundays ago, we were studying Daniel, and it's funny, I can feel it in my voice, the emotion that I felt on the day. Um, and we're at home, and it was on the righteousness of God revealed. I don't know if you remember, um, it was from Daniel 9, and it was a great celebration of how good God is. He's, he, he does everything good and properly, whether it's as the Father whether it's as the judge, whether it's as the merciful saviour. He's right in everything he does. 
And that's the essence of the gospel. He will judge sin and yet he's made a way through Christ. And so the gospel is the righteousness of God revealed. And I found it really moving. I mean, it sounds weird to say I was preaching, but it was the whole message, right? It was the whole service. And I was sitting there holding back the tears, you know, in my, in my seat, in my lounge chair. And I'm like, oh, wow, I haven't felt as much emotion as this for a while. And it felt good. Because I reckon if you don't feel emotion in following Jesus and some of the amazing things about him and who he is and what he's done and what he's done for us and what he wants to do for people you care about who don't know him yet, I mean, you've got to pull some nasal hairs out or something and you start some tears going because it's good. It's good to have emotion. And so anyway, I felt this sense like a very strong and powerful prompting to come down to the church. I haven't been coming down the church. We're not meant to be here. But the, we knew we were coming back. This is three weeks ago, and the chairs had to be fixed up. And so I, look, I thought, I'll come down and do that. Anyway, I'm trying to cut a long story short, but a very important short story worth telling. I was walking around here with the trolley, and I started weeping. I just started weeping, and like not the crying that you do with a romantic comedy and a misty-eyed, you know, like ugly tears. Grief-laden, like when I've had bad grief in my life. Like that type of grief, that type of weeping. And it was sort of caught me by surprise. I was like, I'm, I'm thinking, what is going on in your life? I mean, there are some things, but I wasn't heavy-laden with sin. and It was nothing sort of obvious. And I'm just walking around just weeping. And I said, Lord, what is going on? This is weird. Am I okay? And what I felt subjectively, and hearing from God, if you didn't know, if it's you, to you, that's subjective. <laughs> it is subjective. Objective word of God. But as it's appropriated to me, I've got to trust my heart and my mind. And at times I've got to ask for the counsel of the saints to confirm that. And that's what tends to happen. But you know what I felt God said to me was... That's how I feel. I'm giving you an intercessory burden. I'm just giving you a smidgen of how I feel. Because singing's important. Acknowledging from the heart the glory of God, who he is and who we are. It was important enough for the angels to do it when Jesus was born. Important enough for it to be happening all the time. It never stops happening in heaven. Christianity and the kingdom of God is bigger than singing. But it's not less than singing. Like, it's not less than that. It's, it's... I just felt, as I was walking around, I thought, wow, there's... I feel grieved that these empty seats, that we haven't been able to say it is well with my soul. Great is thy faithfulness. Holy, holy, holy. Crown him with many crowns. Well, like... And I don't know, I think something emotional in it. I... I... If you feel that that's the wrong thing, let's talk about it, because I only want to share what is um, from the Lord. But so I, I think that God does do that, and it's, in, it's called intercessory prayer, where God just gives a burden and a people feels something of what God feels. And um, I had one, I, I'm saying, God, what is this about? And I felt like there was one word ruminating in my head and my heart, and it was this word wholehearted. 
that God wants my wholehearted devotion and he wants our wholehearted devotion. And in this moment, I look up at the stage and there's you know, a wonderful stage that we got built for us and there's this wonderful drum kit there and the cross is over there with a the communion table. And I felt like the Lord saying, can you, it was very matter of fact, can you just move the drums to the side and put the cross in the middle? Now, please don't let that be there 10 years with someone's name written on it. It's not to make something that that has to be like that. But I love it like that personally because it sends this message behind this pulpit. There's a table of remembrance and there's an empty cross. And I feel like God is saying to us, not just to me, I want you to give me your whole hearts. I want you to think about what wholehearted devotion means in the context of brave days. And the other sort of idea that was in my head was this idea of Hannah and her prayer in 1 Samuel. Give me children or I die. That's intercessory prayer. This is outcome-related praying. This, I, I need this. I'm barren and I'm desperate for a child. And clearly God had given that intercessory burden because Samuel needed to be born. But it's this incredible burden that Hannah had. Um, with the internet, we can all listen by podcast to our helpful teaching that we find. We can all listen to whatever worship type of music is helpful for us. And you can think you don't need to be here. And sadly, some of the people who join once every six weeks or 12 weeks online or come to this church once every term or once a month, you're convinced that that's what it takes to be wholehearted. Now, I'm not suggesting you don't have reasons, but you may have fallen into a bad habit. Because church, it matters that we meet together. Hebrews says, don't neglect meeting together. You need to spur one another on to love and good deeds. You need to come together to set your focus again because that week, that's a hard week that you've got to go through. So that's why there's effort, there's pilgrimage to come and meet together because you never know. You might have the gift of care, of mercy, of a prophetic discernment that that other person needs, but you've got the gift and you need to give it and you're going to stay at home all, every month and like, we, need, we can't grow this church on people that come once a year to church. We have to be part of the saints that go, we're in. Amen? Oh, we're wholehearted. We... That's meant to be pokey. That's sort of meant to be a challenge. For me, I'm, I'm here feeling it. I'll, I'll tell you the end of the story in a sec. Um, how lovely is your dwelling place? Deep longings for God. That, that, that was a deep longing for God that I experienced. And you guys have had it before, and I'm so asking you to think about them, how important they were in your journey. Wholehearted disciples experience strengthening along the way. It's a pilgrimage today, isn't it? It was for them. They, you know, they, they would leave their home. But, but we are followers of Jesus called along the way of the Master. It is a journey. A journey that you do lose heart on. You do. You, you get knocked around. You lose strength. Yet the psalmist says what we know is true today, 
but strength can be found along the way. Even though you can lose strength, we can find strength. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Did you hear that? If you know you're on the way of the master, if you know your life has a direction, it's not just going anywhere, I'm on a way. I've been given a purpose to live for the glory of God, to use what I've been given, my experiences, my pain, to offer them up daily to say, it's no longer I that lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live by faith today, I'm going to live for the glory of Jesus. I'm going to let you live your life in me. That's purpose. That's direction. And the, the psalmist is saying, when you, you're that type of person with a sense of purpose, you'll find strength and you'll be blessed. And life will be the way it's meant to be. As they pass these people who are blessed more than happy with strength, as they pass through the valley of Barkar, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Now, it's not clear what Barkar means, where the valley of Barkar is. No one knows for sure. But Barkar has this idea of tears. So maybe what the psalmist is really saying is that <clears throat> Plenty of people live in the Valley of Barkar, the Valley of Tears. Ironically, the Valley of Tears is a dry place. It's an arid place. But when the follower of Jesus, when the follower of Yahweh, who is filled with the blessed strength of his presence and his goodness and his forgiveness and his empowering, when we go past those who are in, in the Valley of Tears, we can bring springs by God's grace. So we are strengthened, but I think this is saying that we're called to be people who bless others. Amen? Blessed to be a blessing. And that's why it's so good to come together to encourage one another. Are you wondering why you have needed to walk through the challenging period you have walked through? We ask that question, don't we? Why, oh God? Why? And many times we come to this favourite verse of ours at this church, 2 Corinthians 1 verse 3. Praise be, Paul says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Comfort is to be paid forward. That's, that's the whole thing about being strengthened as a pilgrim, that we would offer it to those in this valley of Bakar. And we're on a, we're on a journey, aren't we? Like we it, it's sort of a throwaway line, but it's so powerful, the idea of seasons, isn't it? I mean, it is, it's what life's about. I sometimes feel like if there's one thing I could teach, teach to a young person along the way of the, the, of the master is to say... It won't all stay good. Like, in fact, you're not going to always believe God is good. And they are really dark valleys. But, you know, join the club. This is the journey. And uh, so we've been reflecting, Leanne and I, on, on our journey and where we are up to. And... We've had a really hard six months because we've been reflecting on unanswered prayer, seemingly unanswered prayer, about something that really matters 
Not just, oh, maybe, maybe not. But, you know, sometimes there are prayers that, like, like they really matter. And you're like, God, it makes complete sense to us and most others that this should happen. Why isn't it? You said mountains could move. You know, look, the, tell the storm to be still in Jesus' name. Kill the giant. All the good stuff that we love. And then you pray and it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. That's a journey. And we've sort of largely come out of that, um, believing God is always good. And our last child is nearly 18. So that's our stage of life. And then we're watching these kids becoming adults. And I know you guys know this, some of you. Their lives become very complex. (laughs) They're adults. They're headed in different directions. But you've got mama hearts and papa hearts and you're praying for them. And I know there are people here who've got great-grandchildren. What's it like to be a great-grandparent? We're looking forward to becoming grandparents next February, January. Um, which, yeah, thank you. <laughs> well, it's Haley and Kel's challenge. <laughs> but um, sorry to talk so much about us, but... Some of us online, I can't see too many here, but online, I bet you there are some children under 10, and you've got big challenges. Keep trusting God. Because others are going through a COVID-affected HSE in our church. And that's a challenging road along the pilgrimage pathway. But nothing changes. It's going to go up and down, and you've got to find strength which will give you the blessing you need so that you can give it away. Just think about it. Some people this year are finishing off degrees and starting work, and others are starting degrees, starting trades, starting relationships. Others are ending them. Some are starting marriage. Some are ending marriage. Some have said goodbye to their life's partners, soulmates. Others are starting out on the journey. Isn't it diverse? It's incredibly diverse. Jess and and, uh, Ben just had a child. Others are hoping they could have children. Others are just realising we can't have children. How does God deal with all this? We can because he's good. And we are meant to be a diverse group of people who love one another. Amen? I'm labouring a point here to say we are on a journey. And yet there is strength for that journey. And it comes from the presence of God. So how are you going to find that presence? Do you really find it in the couch at home? Or do you find it on pilgrimage? I would suggest to you that you probably find it in special places. The presence of God. And then realise he's with you all the time. But there are these sacred spaces and I want to encourage you to think about deep longings for God. Are you getting strengthened or are you getting weekend in the the last part I think is wholehearted disciples experience transformational encounters with God transformational encounters the psalmist writes hear my prayer Lord God Almighty listen to me God of Jacob look on our shield our oh God look with favor on your anointed one this is a prayer for Israel's king the anointed one Solomon the psalmist then says this classic line better is one day in your courts one day than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. 
the psalmist is saying is all we need is one genuine, authentic encounter with the living God. And it's worth a thousand or more. Is that your experience in life? Have you experienced an encounter with a living God that you go, wow, I, that, that, that's just that's changed me. That's changed my outlook. An undeniably authentic encounter reminds us that our God has created the universe with words. And he can do anything. He can defeat armies with a click of his fingers. And he can change and mend hearts too. And sometimes it takes a long time. It's up to him. Have you had those? Have you had powerful encounters with God? That you look back and go, not every encounter is like that, but you know. I certainly have, uh, where, where the Lord has spoken to me, at least subjectively, I, I truly believe he has, and it's been often um, confirmed by multiple scriptures. And, and even then, you don't know if God's spoken to you, but how do you reckon in your life you know that encounter was from the living God? History passes and it happens. Haven't you found that? That's why journal entries are so amazing. It's so amazing. To look back, it's like a time machine. You fly back and you look at what your heart was saying. And you look and you, you, you say, that's what God said to me there. And you look back at 20 years and you say, that's exactly what happened. I must be able to hear from him every now and then. There must be these incredible one day encounters that change people. And certainly it's happened to me. I don't, what, I don't know what you think, but normally it's not like, quick, Lord, give me a word, give me an encounter. And so something happened three weeks ago when I was in this space, for me. And it's a shame. I used to always, at the last church we were at, constantly be walking around this massive old factory in the dark praying. And that was where I got mainly stuff from the Lord that was really special. And then we left that church and I really noticed it. I'd lost my, my high place. And I'm, to be honest, I haven't done it so much here. Um, for whatever reason. Um, but on this occasion... It wasn't rushed, and I was, I was confessing to God my sin. I was worshipping him three weeks ago. And I'd stopped, in, I stopped my crying in this encounter, and I said, Lord, could you, could you speak to me? Because you've done in the past just a word for our church, a word to me. Just let you speak from your word. And, and so what do you normally do in that? I'm praying for a scripture to pop in my head. I'm praying for anything. I'm looking around for a sign. I'm looking. <laughs> and then I notice... In that back corner is where we used to do the preaching online. And I don't know, I'll probably disappoint you, but we preach off a teleprompt. Sorry. I wrote the sermon. Rachel, Ben writes the sermon, but it's like, it just helps <laughs> to just do it nice and clean. So this is what's embarrassing. I left my Bible at home. So I had to find a Bible to put on the table. Not that I was using. It's like a prop Bible. Forgive me, Lord. Um, but I didn't have my Bible. So I went up to my bookshelf and I went, oh, where's a big, nice black Bible? That one, Thompson Chain Reference. It looks like that. I haven't looked at that Bible for 25 years. I got it years ago. And uh, it was a classic Thompson Chain Reference. And so I grabbed that Bible, it was down there, and I came up and I put it on the pulpit here, and I'm like, you know this story, like, I was like, oh, well, Lord, I'll do a flip. Oh, no. 
and, and Judas hung himself and go and do likewise. You know, you, you're not doing that. And I didn't want to trivialise God. So, I, so I'm like, Lord, could you give us a word? It's a new season. I'm feeling you, you're close. And then I, I'm wandering around praying and worshipping and I feel like God says, go and check out where that thing is. I haven't looked at the Bible for 25 years. And I'm no joke, I'm saying to myself, this is about Hannah's prayer, wholehearted devotion. You probably know where this is heading. I open it up and I look at that, Hannah's prayer, my heart rejoices in the Lord. And so we're going to look at Hannah's prayer, Lord willing, in a couple of weeks' time. And uh, you, you know what happens when that happens? You get very scared because you think God's somewhere close by. It's easy to just say, oh, God, God, you're really there. And that's what it felt like. But cheekily, as I've done before, I said, look, Gideon did it. Lord, is there any chance you could give me a a confirmation? (laughs) I could get this wrong. It's subjective. Just a confirmation. And again, I'm like, I don't want to just flip it open. So I'm walking around praying for another 10 minutes. And then I feel this prompting from the Lord, go and check out where the tail of the bookmark is. And I'm like, oh, I hope it has a tail. I don't know. I didn't notice. So I come up and I see that and I'm like, okay. And I open it up. I'm saying, you know, is it our theme, wholehearted? Is it? And I open it up and turn. The first thing I look at is the next slide. I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. Depending on your personality type and your way of receiving um, truth from the Lord, this might have caused me to lose all respect in your eyes. I'm sorry if that's the case. I don't know how else you subjectively hear from the Lord apart from spending time in his presence and just asking for help. And all I can say is over many decades, times where God has said this stuff has proven to be that was the Lord. He was speaking because he likes to speak to his kids. I went home that day feeling drained yet buoyant. I had spent some time that felt like one day in a thousand. And you know what happened? I woke up the next morning, it was a Monday, I got up early, and I had sketched out stuff for next year. And I don't know if you've experienced this, but like, I felt the anointing of the Lord. Like, I did so much work that day, things just came together. Trusting in the Lord for the future, for next year. I'm thinking about brave days, and I don't make all the rules about it or the way forward, but I'm thinking wholehearted and brave. There's all this stuff coming together. And I got to the end of that day and I went, Wow, Lord, thank you. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like a spiritual turbocharge, and it comes from spending time with the presence of the living God. That's the church we need to be. Amen. Honestly, it's not chasing a manifestation, but it's it's chasing the genuine presence of the living God. So may we not use his name in vain, even in a funny kid's skit. That's my opinion. I love our kids' skits, but not when they use his name in vain. It's off limits. And prayer should be on limits for us. And worship should be that which our heart desires. And if we are that type of church, which I believe we are, anything could happen in our future.
Because all he's looking for is children and women and men after his own heart who want to share the gospel and keep pointing people to Jesus. So the question I want to keep suggesting us to contemplate is, what does wholehearted mean? The psalmist says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield, which means he's a guiding light, sun, and he's a protector. He's a guiding light and he's a protector. So we're called to trust him and listen to him and seek him for that one day in a thousand. The Lord bestows favour and honour. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless because it's what God's like. Amen? No good thing does he withhold. Some of us need to hear that again today. No good thing does he withhold. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. So what is holding you back and me from wholehearted devotion? Have you noticed, especially if you're reading the Old Testament in the kings of Israel, and all the way through, the issue with the kings of Israel is, yeah, they did pretty well, but he didn't worship me and follow me wholeheartedly. Now, do you remember what they, even the best ones, what they nearly always forget? He did really well. He pulled down this and pulled down that and got rid of those, that um, Baal worship and Ashtoreth worship. Do you remember what it says? But he did not get rid of the high places. He left the high places in those hidden mountains, ranges. High places aren't always high, but they're sacred spots of idolatry. And so I think if we smell the coffee about human life following God, we need to think about where our high places are. For us to be wholehearted, where are our high places? And uh, this is a hunch, but I reckon the modern day version of high places, you find that on your smartphone. And I'm not suggesting everyone's looking at the wrong stuff because that's often what people think. It's a lust-oriented high place. That could be the case. But I'd suggest you, you just do an inventory on your smartphone and you'll find what captivates your desires, what you're researching, what you think about when you have downtime. What are you, well, just, and that could be completely good and wholesome or it could be putting desires in your heart that are taking you away from true wholehearted devotion. I suggest we do an audit, a personal audit, on what could be in our high places. Because they will drive what you give your time, treasure and talent to. Where does your heart lead you to spend your time? Wholehearted devotion. Where does your heart lead you to spend your money? To invest your abilities. And be careful what our, our dreams and desires are that take up real estate in our heads. Because whatever you dream about is where you're heading. And we want to be wholehearted. So that we could receive the blessing God wants to give to wholehearted people, wholehearted churches, that we might in turn be a blessing to the world. Amen? That's the calling. May you truly discover that one day in the presence of God is worth a thousand elsewhere in Jesus' name. May you truly experience deep, deep longings for God. Strength along the way. 
and transformational encounters that change you and all you meet. Hear, O northern life, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength in Jesus' name. May we be wholehearted. Amen. Let's just stop and be um, quiet as the band comes up. They're going to lead us in a final, final song. But I just wonder if we could just be quiet before the Lord. Have mercy on us sinners in need of your grace. Thank you for your grace and the fact that you call us saints. May you shape our hearts and our desires that we can sing from the bottom of our hearts songs like this one. This is my desire. To worship you, Lord, I give you my heart, my deepest affections, the longings of my soul. Thanks, Lord, that that's what you want to do with us. We would just so love to be a church you're proud of. Because we love what you love. Lost people. Powerless people. Sinful people who need a doctor, who need the gospel. Here we are, Lord, we offer ourselves to you. We've got a lot of resources. We would love to see these next years with people getting baptised behind us here, testifying to the grace of Jesus that transforms lives. Lord, we want to see marriages restored um, Lord, people healed of cancer. Lord, we want to see people healed of bitterness and pride and lust. Lord, have your way amongst us. Do something that only you can do. We confess together that one moment of your power is greater than one moment in the flesh or a thousand moments in the flesh. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.